and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen, everybody. This is Brother Frank back with another episode of The Remnant Call, and I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, Today has been a tough day in uh, our house here as a family. Today we lost a dearly beloved friend, uh, Fred. Fred was the cat. Um, You know, he showed up as a stray a while ago, probably, I don't know, maybe even a year ago. He would come around, and we began to feed him outside, and he was just such a a loving cat, and just, I don't know why, my daughter just decided he looked like a Fred, so we called him Fred, and, um, but not too long ago, a little over a month and some, a raccoon came and uh, attacked Fred at night, and we were hoping, of course, since it was at nighttime, that the raccoon didn't have any rabies, Um, so we ended up bringing Fred in-house, and uh, he didn't let him, he got recovered, started getting better, his back leg was hurt permanently, but uh, he started getting better, and uh, he could get around again. And uh, we, they, my wife and daughters nursed him back to great health, and uh, he just was the most loving cat I'd ever seen in my life. He just wanted to love and be loved. And um, unfortunately, uh, Fred passed away. We don't know if he got rabies in a mild form or didn't really manifest in the craziness, but... Uh, so right now, my daughters and wife and, and myself, now they're really devastated. I'm, I'm hurt also because, uh, you know, I hate to see that happen to Fred, but they invested their heart into that cat. And when you put your heart and your soul into something, it means something to you. It does some, The connection you have between a person that you put your heart and soul into is different than any other connection that you may have with somebody and, you know, that's kind of the way God is with us. He not only put his heart and soul into us, friends, but he gave his life. And so when you have a believer here that the Lord has put his heart and soul into, I mean, literally, he gave the breath of life, too. And then when they walk away and, and they they succumb to the flesh and and they become dead to the car not dead to the world but but dead to their spiritual side and and in a way they become dead to their walk with god and and when we feel that separation even with just a cat let alone a human god feels the same pain when we are not walking with him see the, the emotions you get the the feelings that you feel uh, they just didn't appear out of nowhere. God gave those emotions to us. God shared his heart with us. And so when you feel this love and, and burden for your children not walking with God or, or for someone else that you've really poured your heart and soul in, those emotions come from God. And when Fred passed away today in our home, there's an emptiness. And even our dog, a nearly almost 200-pound hybrid wolf, Husky, He's upset and he's depressed because he lost his friend. That's the same way God feels about us. We're living in some tough times right now, folks. And there's hard days that are coming ahead. And you've got to think, your Heavenly Father, all he wants you to do is to get right with him. Come under the wings of his protection. Come into that sanctuary. Where, come into the holy place where, where we begin to hear the very voice of God, the most holy place. Get close to him now because your Father in heaven wants to be with you. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you, but he wants to be right by your side through everything that's getting ready to take place. And when your heart breaks for a loved one, God's heart breaks for us when we don't walk by him. 
So, folks, please, if you got a moment tonight, say a prayer for our house. My children are really hurting right now at the loss of our cat, Fred. It's a tough day. Well, I'm not going to continue on too much longer. I'm going to bring in our guest tonight, Brother Benjamin. If you didn't hear last week's program, please, uh, John Haller and Benjamin were both on with uh, Jerusalem, A Cup of Trembling. Please go and check that out. But tonight, Benjamin, he has gone through a little bit of a rough patch, but the Lord has laid a, laid a message on his heart, and we're going to get him in here to talk about it right now, and we won't delay any longer. And Benjamin, are you there with us here this evening? Well, hey, Frank. Yes, sir. How you doing? Well, I'm doing all right, Benjamin. We talked earlier today, but unfortunately, uh, Fred, our cat, died um, today. So it's a heavy, it's a heavy evening in the household right now. And, oh uh, yeah, that's kids terrible. are devastated. You know what it's like to have a pet that dies. It hurts. Oh yeah, yeah. It's part of. So, they're part of the family. They are. They really are. And so, Benjamin, I know the Lord. You've, you've, you've not been feeling too good lately. I, and so I want to just say praise the Lord that you're here with us tonight. Yeah. You've, you've been battling over the past week and some. Well, you know, I'll tell you, Frank. I think in part it was a response to the show that we did. Mm-hmm. In part, you know, I think... Um, the enemy certainly did not want tonight's program. I mean, I had actually planned my day. I set aside time in the afternoon. I was going to go over to my prayer loft, and I was going to really press in and in prayer. And, you know, I mean, it's one thing if I show up, you know. Okay, great, right? I mean, mm. okay, but, you know, really, do we need to hear from a man in this hour? I would prefer not, you know, if we have the option. I'd rather the anointing bring forth the message the Lord wants. I mean, we've had enough of men standing up telling us, you know, their opinion. I mean, that's great, you know, I mean, good try and all, but, you know, only the Spirit of God brings the life. Amen. We preach out of the letter of the law. We preach out of the knowledge of good and evil. Are we even doing any good, you know? But in any event, my day, just unbelievable, the drama that people created inside clients so that I literally could not leave my desk until really now. You know, and mm. Really, there's no time for me to pray in my prayer law, um, but we can pray right here, right now, and I think we should. Amen, amen, yes. Let, let me pray for you, Benjamin. Um, Father in heaven, I just thank you in the name above all names, Yeshua, Jesus, who laid his life down because he knew that there was going to be a remnant call program one day, and we were going to need that sacrifice and that strength that comes from the price that was paid for an eternity that we who trust in him could have a right into the kingdom, not through us, but through him. And I pray right now, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would strengthen Benjamin for the show tonight. Lord, Daniel was down and out. He had had a heavy burden on his heart, and yet you sent a word. You sent a messenger to strengthen him. Lord, strengthen Benjamin tonight. Give us clarity, Lord, in these hours that we live in. Uh, Just because the enemy wants to do us in, Lord, you've got something better. And I know that Benjamin's been under attack, and that's usually a good sign that that breakthrough is coming. Lord, you said that the darkest hours, Lord, of this earth were upon us. It's in your word. You, you talked of a time, and I believe, Lord, we are here now. So, Lord, guide your people. May the word become our food. May your spirit become what we, we dwell with. And, Lord, may prayer become our number one mean of communications with you. I pray this tonight goes according to your will, because I ask it in a powerful name. Jesus, amen. I want to get into the Word of God because the Lord's been just opening up more and more of the sealed prophetic message. And, you know, I, I really thank the Lord because, you know, for years and years I prayed, Lord, you know, show me the timing, tell me the timing. And, and I always believed that, you know, before, you know, before the day came that he would do just that. And, you know, here we are in Hanukkah, 
you know, praise God. Thank the Lord for Hanukkah. I mean, the dedication of the temple. He's getting ready to dedicate his new temple, which are which will be made up of the living stones that he calls his remnant. You know, and I bless the Lord for the festival of light, the true light that lights the entire world, which we have been given an inheritance in. You know, we are blessed beyond anything we can comprehend. And we Amen. owe it all to Jesus. With his mercy. With his compassion. Amen. He started this. Your salvation, my salvation, began in the heart of Jesus Christ. And we owe the Lord everything. <laughs> More than once, right? But I just thank him, and, you know, and I thank the Lord that it's Hanukkah. And, um, and I thank him for healing. And I, I was deathly ill two days ago. I mean, I was seriously, you know, I'm, maybe you're thinking I'm just whining. Okay, whatever. Um, my throat was so swollen I was having trouble breathing, and I was experiencing the psychological effects of suffocation, you know, in the middle of the night. And I'm thinking, you know, do I drive to the emergency room through the mountains on icy roads at 3 in the morning? You know, what if I pass out? I'm going to drive off a cliff. You know, and I'm thinking maybe that's not such a good idea. And, and I'm like, it's like being waterboarded. I'm struggling, and I can't get enough breath, and I feel like I'm literally going to die. And, you know, it's a form of torture, my friends most painful thing I've been through you know it's up there with like bone grafts and but anyway um, I asked I told the Lord at one point I said Lord if you were thinking of getting me a Hanukkah present I would put getting healed on the top of the list (laughs) now maybe that's a goofy way to talk to the Lord but you know he told us to come like children and and I come like a child before my God and and you know the Lord heard me because he did give me some Hanukkah presents, <clears throat> and I am a million. I'm so much better, you guys. I can sleep. You know, Amen. I had nights where I couldn't sleep. I can sleep, but along with the gift of God's work in my healing, He's working out my healing, and and I thank God for. I must have needed this. At the same time, He's bringing forth revelation that I want to get to. With no further ado, we've kind of burned enough time. P- pardon me, accept my apologies. Let's get to the text. We're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 25 if you want to get into your Bibles. And um, I'm going to read some of the text. I won't read every verse, but I want to cover some of it. And um, this is the verse, this is the text where the Lord talks about the 70 years of captivity, where, where Jeremiah prophesies that Israel is going to be sent to slavery, to servitude for 70 years. And prior program with John Haller, we kind of talked about the first half of this, how the nation of Israel, though restored to their land in 1948, is yet in spiritual slavery. And how the the Lord said so himself in Micah, uh, where he said, I will give them up until, and he's talking about his people, you guys, until the time that she that is travailing brings forth. That's the birth of the man-child, okay? So although God brought Israel back as a nation, he brought them back in the flesh, he also brought them back in slavery. See, the nation didn't exist before. They were destroyed. The people were in the world, but there was no Israel. And so God brings Israel back, and now we have a second fulfillment of the prophecy of 70 years of captivity. Only now, the prophecy is being fulfilled spiritually. And that's very common of the Lord. He does a lot of dual fulfillment of prophecy where the first fulfillment is in the flesh, in the natural. And then there's also a second fulfillment that's in the spirit. Okay? And I won't go into the details. I think some of you guys know what I'm talking about. So Israel's been in spiritual slavery. And so now we're coming to the end of the 70 years. And go listen to the part one with um, Brother John Haller, you can catch all those details. Well, as I'm praying and, and seeking the Lord and asking God for a present on Hanukkah, that he would bring me healing and deliver me out of my despair, I really felt like Jonah in the belly of the whale. And I'm telling you, that's no fun, my friends. But I'm crying out to God, and and I open the scripture to Jeremiah 25, and I start reading. This is an entire prophecy by the prophet Jeremiah. And it starts as a rebuke to 
Israel for not repenting. You know, in verse 7, you have not hearkened unto me, saith the Lord. And in verse 8, you know, because you've not heard my words. You know, the Lord had been pleading and pleading with Israel, just like he's been pleading and pleading with the church in America. And, you know, we just don't want to listen. You know, God tells us, turn off your TV, and we don't turn off the TV. God tells us, fast and pray, and most of us blow off fasting and praying. God made me so sick, I couldn't swallow anything. Well, you know, guess what? We're fasting, and we're praying. We don't have any other options. And that's how it's going to be for the whole church soon. You know, if the Lord's commanded fasting and prayer, he's got a way of getting us there. And generally, when you make God make you do something, you don't like the way it gets done. But here the Lord is saying, because Israel has not heard my words, I'm sending and taking the families of the north, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, as my servant. And I'm bringing him against you. The king of Babylon's coming against you and against the inhabitants of this land. And then he's saying, I'm going to take the voice of myrrh and gladness, the bride. This sounds like Revelation 18, you guys. I'm taking the voice of the bride, the sound of music, the sound of the millstone. The whole land shall become a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations, the nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years, including Israel. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation. And it's interesting because in the text it says the Goyi, which means that the Gentile nations. I'll punish the Gentile nations and the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity. And I'll make the land of the Chaldeans a perpetual desolation. And I'll bring upon that land, the land of Babylon, all my words which I pronounced against it, even everything written in the book of Jeremiah, which he prophesied against all of the nations. So God was promising to take and bring to pass not only the judgments decreed by Jeremiah against Babylon, but the Lord was thrown in for extra measure every other judgment pronounced by Jeremiah against every other nation. Okay, this is going to be big, because they're getting the full Monty. And then he goes on, he says, For many nations and great kings have served themselves of, and in your King James Bible it reads, of them also, and it's actually talking about Israel. God is saying, not only did Babylon put my people into slavery for 70 years, but other nations and other kings also took advantage of Israel. They also looted Israel. They also robbed them. When the judgment had begun, the enemies of Israel that surrounded them robbed them, stole their stuff, and put them on servitude as well. So the Lord's saying, not only am I going to judge the king of Babylon and the land of the Chaldeans, the land of Babylon, but I'm going to judge all of the nations that served themselves of my people Israel. So God has appointed a time of reckoning where he's going to deal with the Goy. He's going to deal with the pagan nations. He's going to bring judgment upon them for how they treated his people Israel. And I will recompense them according to their deeds and according to the work of their hands. And thus says the Lord, take the wine cup of this fury from my hand. Okay, God's furious, you guys. And when God gets furiously mad, you don't want, you want to be standing behind him silently, hiding. You don't want to be in the, in the path of this cup. And he says, and cause all the goy, all the nations, to whom I send you to drink it. These judgments can go from nation to nation now. And they will drink and they'll be moved, and they'll become mad. They're going to be insane, actually. And I didn't have a chance to look that word up, but let's go take a quick peek at what that mad word means in the Hebrew text. It's halal, and it means to rave, to become fools, to be stupefied, to be made mad, to be enraged. Okay, they're going to, go, they're going to lose it. The nations will lose it. And to it, Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, and the kings thereof, and the princes. God's starting the judgment right there in Jerusalem. He's, starting, he's going to start the judgment in his own house. But he goes on and he lists Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, 
and all the mixed people, all the mingled people, the kings of the land of Uz, and he goes on, the Philistines, Ashkelon, Azza, Ekron, Ashdod, Edom, Moab, Ammon, Tyrus, Zidon, and the kings of the isles that are beyond the sea. I mean, the Lord's going down his list. Okay, how many kingdoms do we have here? Dedan and Timah and even and Boaz and even those that are at the uttermost ends of the earth and all the kings of Arabia and the kings of the mingled people and those that dwell in the desert and the kings of Zimri and the kings of Elam and all the kings of the Medes and the kings in the north and those that are far and those that are near and one with another. I mean, you get the point? God's got a long list of countries he's going to judge, which and all of the kingdoms of the world, okay? <laughs> you know, the Lord wants you to know, okay, maybe I didn't mention every one of them. It would take too long. But any kingdom that considers itself a kingdom that exists on this earth is on this list. And he says, which are upon the face of the earth, and the king of Shishak, which is Babylon, shall drink after them. Now listen to this. I sense disbelief. You know, guys, I have discernment. I can tell when some people out there are gnashing their teeth. You know, it's in the spirit. You know, they start speaking. They can't receive. You know, I would say silence that, brother. And, you know, either turn the program off or listen. It'll be life to you. Look what he's saying. Verse 26, and the king of Shishak, which is Babylon, shall drink after them. Therefore shall thou say, I'm in 27. I'm just going to jump there real quick. Hold on. Yeah, Sheshach is a symbolic name for Babylon. So the last king that will actually be judged, he starts out with the judgment of Babylon, but the very final thing that's judged is the actual king of Babylon himself. I'll explain what the significance of that is in a minute. Therefore thou shalt say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Drink and be drunk and spew, which means puke and fall and rise no more. He's knocking the whole world down, people, because of the sword which I send among you. And it shall be, if they refuse to drink the cup, you shall say to them, You shall certainly drink. For lo, I'm bringing evil on the city which is called by my name. And should you be utterly unpunished, you know, he's talking about his own people. Should I leave you utterly unpunished in the time when I'm going to destroy the entire earth? You shall not be utterly unpunished. For I'm calling forth a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth, saith the Lord. Now, when this prophecy was fulfilled in the time of Nebuchadnezzar and in the time of Daniel and the and Israel was living in Babylon and, and had been under slavery, actually at the time of the fall of the Chaldeans, Israel had actually not been in Babylon for 70 years. Um, the fall of Israel's captivity was something less than 70 years. And Babylon was destroyed. And the way that it went down, the people were living under the rule of Babylon on Saturday, and they went to bed on Saturday night, and then the Median Persian army came in under the wall, having blocked up the river. They marched into the city unknown and unseen during the cover of darkness, and they killed the royal family and all the military leadership. And Sunday morning, when the people woke up, it was over. Babylon was gone. And now Media Persia was the ruling superpower of the earth. And, you know, that was where Daniel was at the party of the king, and they were drinking with the holy vessels, and, and the writing, many, many Tekel Parazim appeared on the wall, and the next day they were all dead. Well, but God said he was going to make their land a, a desolation, and they was also going to judge the entire earth. And let's read a little bit about the judgment that the Lord has prophesied against Babylon and the entire earth. Prophesy thou unto them and say, The Lord shall roar from on high. Okay, God is going to get loud. And utter his voice from his holy habitation. You know, a lot of people have told me, I want to hear the Lord, I want to hear the Lord. You're going to hear the Lord. The whole earth is going to hear the Lord. 
and he will mightily roar upon the, his habitation. He will give a shout as they that tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. The Lord's going to actually be shouting a rebuke of the people, and a noise will come from the end of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with the nations, and he will plead with all flesh. Boy, we better really die to ourselves in the window of time that's left, so that we're people that are walking in the Spirit. Because otherwise, God's going to be dealing with you. And he will give them that are wicked to the sword. Okay, if you're his people, you won't be given to the sword, but you might be given to the bio version of the common cold. Man, I'm telling you guys, put the fear of God in me. What's coming is going to put the fear of God in you, too. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, evil shall go forth from nation to nation. Okay, when Babylon fell, what changed? Well, okay, the king of Babylon got executed. You know, and the, the modern-day fulfillment of that prophecy happening again is the Russian-Ukrainian revolution that overthrew the kingdom of the Tsar in Russia, where the Russian and Ukrainian people united in the, in the Bolshevik Revolution, and they killed the royal family. But, and the, so the media Persians two nations, just like the Russians and Ukrainians, they killed the royal family and all the military leaders, but nothing changed. There was no evil going from nation to nation, and a great whirlwind raised up from the coast of the earth, and the slain of the Lord on that day will be from one end of the earth to the other? That didn't happen in the time when Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar were the kings of Babylon. These are prophecies of the end of the age my friends. If you can hear it, if you can discern it. And this is why you cannot discover Bible prophecy using your knowledge of good and evil. Because the Lord uses the literary license of an author and he mixes prophecies that pertain to his antiquity times with prophecies that pertain to the last days. You know, go read the book of Isaiah. It goes back and forth, prophesying the ministry of Messiah, his coming among us as a lamb, and then prophesying his coming as God, and the return of the king. And it goes back and forth. And so here, in Jeremiah 25, the Lord starts out talking specifically about the 70 years that Babylon will basically rule, and that the nations will be brought into servitude. He says, the nations shall serve Babylon for 70 years, and that included Israel. The whole world came under the dominion of ancient Babylon, and in 70 years, it was gone. But when it was gone, and it literally was gone in an hour, you guys. I mean, Babylon was here today, gone tomorrow. You know, just like Revelation 17, in one hour, boom, it's going to be gone, right? But now we're looking at the prophecies of what it will be like at the end in the final fulfillment, when the final Babylon falls, the slain of the earth in that day will be from one end of the earth to the other, even unto the ends of the earth. And they will not be lamented nor buried. They will be like dung on the ground. Okay, this is a worldwide judgment. God is saying, I'm judging all of the nations at the time of the fall of America Babylon. How could that happen? It's really simple, you guys. The red horse comes out, it's a horse of war that takes peace from the entire earth. It's not just Ezekiel 38 and the invasion of the Middle East. It's not just the surprise attack on the United States. It's going to be a worldwide conflict. This war is going everywhere. And then once the war has stopped, the black horse, the whirlwind of economic devastation, and depression, and disease, and the black death of the black plague, the bubonic plague, will be back. There'll be no food, no fresh water, and the plague will be covering the earth. Starvation, and death, and disease will be taking the lives of billions of people. That's what the world looks like after World War III. For the remnant who are preserved, but they're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of darkness, and we will fear no evil! Because the Lord will be with us. But just to finish this chapter, the Lord says, How, you pastors, 
and cry and wallow yourselves in the ashes, you leaders of my flock, for the day of your slaughter and of your dispersion is accomplished, and you will fall like a vessel, like a pleasant vessel. And the shepherds, the pastors, will have no way to flee, nor will the leaders have any way to escape. And the voice of the cry of the shepherds and a howling of the principal of the flock will be heard. They're going to be howling, you guys. And the peaceful habitation will be cut down because of the fierce anger of the Lord. For he has forsaken his covering as a lion. Yeah, uh, to be precise, you could, you could put in parentheses, of Judah. For their land is desolate because of the fierceness of the oppressor, because of his fierce anger. And so I submit to you tonight that the prophecy of Jeremiah 25 is both a prophecy of ancient Babylon, that it would rule for 70 years, and in fact the kingdom of Babylon did exist as a superpower for only 70 years. The nations were the servants of Babylon for exactly 70 years, and when God was ready to deliver Israel from their servitude, he was also moving in judgment on Babylon, and it was the judgment of Babylon that set the stage for the deliverance of Israel. And here we are in the last days. This is just my, my you know, insight, if you will, into scriptures. I'm not trying to be a prophet. I'm not calling this a prophecy. But this is what I'm gleaning from the text. The 70 years of captivity has repeated itself. And Israel today is in total darkness spiritually. I know. I lived there. Seventy percent of the people don't even believe in God. You know, they, and I talk to them. They tell you, you know, I can't believe a God that would allow the Holocaust. You know? The German soldiers throwing Jewish babies in the air and then, and then using them for bayonet practice throwing babies in, into the, you know, why bother putting them in the gas chamber? Just throw them in the oven. Babies. You know what I mean? It's, the evil is unspeakable. Today, in, in the artwork, in a courthouse in Las Vegas, you guys, some of you guys have seen this. I don't really recommend looking at the artwork. It's, it's on the Internet. They show satanic ritual abuse of children. And tearing children apart and, and, you know, pedophile abuse of children with, with one abuser and then several other watchers standing around to hold the little child down. And, I mean, horrible. This is on display in our courts. You don't think heaven takes notice? Oh, let me tell you, this is being done that the Lord would raise the skirt of Babylon to show the whole world why he's about to judge it. Let me get back on track. You guys see the evil as well as anyone. It's horrifying. I mean, we are astonished. We're like Lot in Sodom. I mean, our souls are vexed daily by what we see. The point I'm trying to make is, could it be that God had ordained a period of 70 years of slavery for Israel at the end of time? That the prophecies of Jeremiah, such as here in chapter 25, that clearly begin in ancient Babylon but clearly are fulfilled in the judgment of the earth at the end of time in the second half of this prophetic word that was given to Jeremiah in chapter 25. Could it be that Israel will again be in slavery 70 years? And that the deliverance of Israel at the end of the 70 years will come through the war, come through God's judgment of the daughter of Babylon, and God's judgment at the end of the age when he also begins to judge all of the nations that served themselves of the Jews. And he goes down the list, and he, he lists every ancient nation you can think of, and then he goes on and he says, and all the kingdoms of the world. When ancient Babylon fell, you guys, I mean, really, stop and think for a minute. God did not judge all the kingdoms of the world in a judgment in which the dead bodies were unburied from one end of the globe to the other. Okay, That has never happened, my friends. That is the judgment 
of the last days. That is the riding of the red and the black horse. And could it be that the 70 years of servitude would yet repeat again? You know, the duality of Bible prophecy would say, you know what? There's a pretty good chance that might just be true. So how might the 70-year prophecy pertain to the daughter of Babylon, right? That's a question near and dear to most of our hearts, since we happen to live in that kingdom. Well, you know, let's talk about it. Ancient Babylon, as I mentioned, uh, was a superpower for exactly 70 years, and then was removed as God began to bring the deliverance of Israel. So, um, if this prophecy will also be fulfilled by the daughter of Babylon, when when would the nations of the world have begun serving America? When would they have entered into um, slavery, if you will, for America? And, you know, it says in Jeremiah 25, 11, and the whole land shall be a desolation, and the nations shall serve Babylon for 70 years. That word in Hebrew is abad, and it means to work for, okay? You go work in your little slave factory, and you take all your cool toys, like the little hungry um, bank dog thing, the Christmas gift, the little dog that, that you put your money in the dish and it eats the little money, and all the kids love it. All the little cool toys, you make your cool toys, and you sell them to Babylon for 70 years. Because you're all going to work for Babylon. And you're going to use Babylonian bucks, too. So when... If this is going to be fulfilled in our time, when did the nations of the world begin to serve America? How was this fulfilled in the modern era? Well, you know, obviously, the answer is, of course, the post-war period. I'm talking about World War II. The American century really began at the end of World War II. But World War II ended in 1945. This period of servitude really didn't begin in 1946 because the nations couldn't serve America yet. They couldn't work for America yet because they were devastated. You have to understand, Europe was bombed into oblivion. The buildings were all leveled. The people were starving. There wasn't even enough food in 1946. They were barely able to start reconstruction in much of Europe, England, Japan, China, all these countries, Russia, these countries were devastated. It took them several years to kind of get back on their feet. And so, you know, if you look at the events of past history, when would you, what year would you point to? Well, the one that I suggest may actually be the year when the servitude of the world began, when America, the master, stood up as the legal ruler with the authority over the nations, was in fact... 1948. And here's what happened in 1948 that convinces me that that was the year servitude began. Well, first of all, on January 1st, New Year's Day, the General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs, the GATT, was passed, which placed all the nations essentially under the control of an economic model created by the United States. Second, the nations of Europe were also placed under the economic dominance of the United States by what was called the Treaty of Brussels, which gave us the North American Treaty Organization, or NATO, in which the military power of all of Europe was now committed to basically the control and the direction of the United States. Along with control of the military capabilities of Europe, the United States also implemented the Marshall Plan in 1948, giving America effectively economic control of the rebuilding of the continent. In addition to controlling world trade, the European military theater through the creation of NATO, which became the model for several other similar organizations for the other parts of the world, along with economic control for, of the rebuilding of Europe under the Marshall Plan, the United Nations created the World Health Organization, placing control of the world's health under the dominance of the American medical industry. And, you know, in addition to controlling the world's health, 
The year 1948 also witnessed the creation of the Organization of American States, which became the political framework for the leadership of North America and South America, which, of course, was led by the United States. So while the United States and the behind the scenes, the shadow government that was planning on one day erecting a one world government, they're now erecting all of the legal apparatuses through which the daughter of Babylon would now rule the nations. In addition to this, in 1948, the Cold War began as um, the Soviets blocked off um, West Berlin, and we began the Berlin Airlift, and and the official Cold War began, and President Truman inaugurated the second peacetime draft ever in U.S. history. And so the nations of the world suddenly compelled with a choice, either submit to the American leadership of the world and sign up for the the World Economic Agreement under GATT and join the Treaty of Brussels or, you know, cooperate with the Organization of American States, but come under one of these organizations as the white horse would now begin to rule and lead the world or join the communists, join Joseph Stalin, join the Cold War. Well, most clear-thinking countries in 1948 was a pretty easy choice the countries that had been conquered by the soviet army all chose to join joseph stalin <laughs> obviously that's what good communists do right and everyone else joined the americans and so america became the leader of the free world and set up the brenton woods accord previously through which they could now economically dominate the nations of the earth. And one more thing happened in 1948. America really reached for the stars when America assumed leadership of the worldwide Christian church through the creation of the World Council of Churches. All of these things happened in 1948. Frank, what do you think about that? Well, I, I think that's pretty uh, insane because uh, we talked about earlier um, – was it uh, tr- at the same time in 1948 we elected, what, Truman uh, on top of all yep. that, who then implemented a few years later the 501c3, which further enslaved the uh, the churches to the government so that they couldn't say but certain things. Uh, and we see what effects that had on the churches today. And so, yeah, I would agree. This is uh, too many coincidences to just pass it off as just, well, you know, this just was an accident. Um, yeah, too many exactly. things are lining up now. And uh, Benjamin, I believe it or not, I had to call back in twice now. I, I don't know what it is. Somebody is against you being on my program. Twice I've had problems. I lost my audio feed. So I'm actually called in on my phone. So, brother, thank you for actually running with the show. Hey, no worries. I'm telling you, the enemy doesn't want this word getting out. So, you know, what we're talking about, my friends, is the revelation in Scripture that the rule of Babylon would be limited to 70 years. And in the case of the daughter of Babylon, it will terminate with the ride of the red horse of war, which will be the Battle of Ezekiel 38, which most people will refer to as World War III, which will result in the end of the daughter of Babylon. It will also remove much of the wickedness from this land, um, and it'll also in- inaugurate the beginning of the ride of the black horse of economic devastation. But it will also be kind of a prelude to the woman who's been in travail giving birth. And, you know, exactly when will that happen? You know, depending on whether you look 49 years from the Knesset's decree to rebuild Jerusalem in April of 69, whether you use 49 years and you end up in. 2018 again, or um, I'm thinking perhaps we should add the, the, the final Jubilee. Considering the 62 weeks prophecy required you to include Jubilees, I'm sort of looking for another Jubilee, which would put the birth of the man-child um, in kind of the, the spring of 2019. So, you know, if we have the World War in the fall of 2018, the birth of the man-child will follow during the time of, of the devastation and the aftermath. 
But you know what? That'll be the time for the remnant to get on the road, and, and boom, the, the Lord, as the Lion of Judah, will step into the scene through the lives of his servants that he's purified in the fire, and he will, he's first going to come to deliver his people. I got news for you guys. Lord's coming back. First, he's coming in an anointed remnant before he comes in the clouds. And, and you know, we're going to do a teaching on that hopefully soon. But, you know, if this is accurate, and you know, it's, a lot of people could be skeptical, hey, that's fine, you know. You know, pray about it. If God doesn't confirm it, then by all means don't receive it. And, you know, I'm not offended in the least. Um, but I wouldn't speak against it, you know because it may turn out that you were just wrong. And this is really what's going down, folks. And that means, you know, we're going to see the world change next year. But Benjamin, what? we'll also see the birth of uh, the man-child shortly thereafter. And then we're going to see the second half of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And if we're in the remnant, we're going to see the powerful deliverance of the Lord. And, you know, and if we make it to the refuge where the woman flees to... Well, by the way, the woman, after the birth of the man-child, it, the woman who is, represents the, the, the true ecclesia, the true spiritual Israel, the true people of God, right? Um, and the Gentiles are grafted into the true church. She flees. She has to run, man. It's no yeah. longer safe to hang out in Babylon or any other pagan empire. But she's given the wings of an eagle to help her. Well, where did these come from? Well, they're the same eagle's wings that were just plucked from the lion. So, you know, while the eagle's wings, which represent our country, while they are attached to that lion, they're being ultimately controlled. The head is the lion, okay? The wings ain't making the decisions, you guys. They're just muscles. It's just bone, and it's muscle, and it's blood, and it's sweat, and it's tears. But it ain't got anything to do with the brains. It's all coming out of the head mm. of the lion. And so when the eagle's wings are plucked, they'll be separated from that lion, and the lion will join together with the other beasts, the head of a lion, the body of the leopard, and the feet of the bear. They'll all come together as a one-world government, and they can go do their satanic destiny. Now the eagle will have been set free from these satanic deceptions. What's left of America is going to experience the most awesome move of God. There's going to be... It's going to be incredible. But what, everyone that survives, this is just my opinion, but I, I think it's probably well-founded based on Scripture, that virtually everyone in the United States that survives is either going to already be a Christian or going to know a Christian and quickly get saved, or the witness will be there. And, I mean, this country is going to turn into 30 million, 50 million, something like that, devout, hardcore, battle-tested, purified in the fire, totally sold out to Jesus, spirit-filled, walking in miracles with the 144,000 cruising around among us. And what's mm. that I love about that? Because Amen. The ministry of Jesus. And then and we're going to also get to experience the greater exodus, which the prophecy tells us when we get to the kingdom in heaven, nobody's going to want to talk about the exodus in the time of Moses. Now, maybe the, everybody's already seen the movie on TV. I don't know. For whatever reason, they're going to be like, no, we don't really want to take time for that right now. We want to talk to the remnant at the end of the age. And we want to hear the stories about the greater exodus, the second exodus, because what God is about to do is the greatest thing he's ever done, and it's totally exciting, and you don't need to disappear. You know, you don't really want to disappear in a preacher rapture. Guys, you really want to stick around and be part of this, and I say that euphemistically because there's no preacher rapture getting anybody out of this. Rapture Amen. takes place at the end. And so, um, praise God, you know. We've got to get on the second exodus very soon because this all ties in together. Well, my folks, what my concern is right now is that so many people keep saying, well, there's going to come a great falling away. And all it's already here, okay? Quit putting that out in the future. Have you looked at society? Have you looked at the morals? Have you looked at what's going on? The great falling away, it's here. Okay, you don't have to look for it anymore. It is here as of now. We are in a fallen society, but unfortunately this, the fog of Babylon has rolled in so thick, everybody seems to be walking around in this like kind of 
zombie-like state in the churches, like, well, you know, let's just be more relevant. Folks, you're going to find out what relevant is when we wake up one morning and there's been a change in the government in our nation, just like in ancient Babylon. And that's not the way we want to go as God's people. We want to be awake, alert, and ready for the hour that is coming. Folks, it Quit, whether it's 2018 or 19, it doesn't matter. Get right right now. You cannot afford to wait. You can, According to Revelation 18, this is going to happen in one hour. It's going down, and it will be real. Benjamin, people cannot afford to just sit around. Fasting and praying as an option is off the table. You either do it or you don't. And I'll I tell you. Folks, we need to get ready. Benjamin, man, this has been some serious stuff tonight. Thank you for this. Yeah, well, we're kind of talking about scriptural evidence that this is all actually going down next year. Now, you know, the skeptics could say, oh, Benjamin, come on, you know. And I'm not trying to tell you the day or the hour of the second coming. I'm just telling you, if America Babylon is a second fulfillment of the prophecies of the fall of Babylon, and America is specifically the Revelation 17, 18 Babylon. And my proof of that is, go read it. It says the ten kings who, who rule with the beast, they hate the woman Babylon. And they strip her naked, and they eat her flesh. That's what's been going on, is they've been robbing the country blind for the last ten years. And then they burn her cities with fire. Okay, That's what's coming next year. Now, they don't hate their own kingdom, you guys. It's not the one world government of the Antichrist that the kings, the ten kings of the Antichrist hate. They love their one world government. They hate the daughter of Babylon because at one time she was a Christian nation. But, you know, just to leave you a final thought, I was talking with my friend uh, Jeffrey Nyquist, and I mentioned to him, you know, the severity of the illness, and that I thought it might be a bioweapon. And he commented, you know, in talking with his friend, who is connected to some very high-level names that were you know, military officials that defected from the Soviet camp, um, he said, absolutely, we're in the final phase of the overture, and um, he's absolutely convinced World War III is next fall. And so all I'm pointing out to you is, hey, you know what? That fact's in Scripture, too. Go read it for yourself in Jeremiah 25. Hmm. So, in case you were wondering, gee, I wonder when this is all going down. Well, I think you could circle 2018. And we'll yeah. find out and, pretty and, quick, won't we? Yeah, we will. And here's the thing, folks. Um, you know, like Benjamin's saying, he's not talking about the second coming of Jesus. Folks, that's, that's, that's still out in the future. We're talking about the day our lives are going to change forever. And it, and it is going to be stunning It's going to be scary, but it's not to be a time of fear for the remnant of God. That's the point. Don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. God is calling us out. Listen, the truth is when Jesus came the first time, the majority of the so-called church in that day missed it. And that's going to be exactly what happens at the second coming. The majority of those who are called, you know, many, many are called, but few are chosen. It's not that it's so difficult. It's that many don't want to follow the Lord with all of their heart. And there is coming a day of reckoning, and it is very soon. And I'll tell you, Benjamin, if you don't make your decision now, what are you going to do when it all hits the fan? Well, you know, you know Benjamin, Frank, years ago, there's a couple litmus Years ago, I'd had a... Um, I had a dream, and um, I was at the farm where I had grown up at and uh, for some years, and I used to, before when I, um, back before I had gotten off drugs and everything, I used to abuse everything I possibly could. I was a straight drug addict, and even I was on medication, Adderall for ADD. I, I abused that, okay? Whatever I could abuse, I would abuse, you know? So I was in this dream. I was out on the farm. And we were in this camper out in front of the old farmhouse, and we were breaking up my pills, and we were abusing them. And then all of a sudden, 
over the horizon, I knew in the light, it started to light up that Jesus was coming. It was dark. It was at nighttime. And all of a sudden, the light came on, and I knew the Lord was coming. And I bolted out of the uh, camper, Benjamin, and I went inside, and I grabbed the Bible, and I opened tracks. I remember I, like, looked right in. I think there was a mirror there. So I looked, put my hands in my face, and I just thought, it's too late. It's too late. See, folks, you can't wait until the end when you have prior knowledge to make your decision. God was actually trying to speak to me about something personally at times, but it was prophetic, I believe, towards what happens in the end. We don't wait till the last minute when we know to do right. And the right thing is to get right with God right now. Benjamin, closing thoughts from you, brother. Well, you know, some practical things. What should we do? What what could we do? Um, everybody's got to make up their own mind, but here would be some suggestions. If you're watching secular television, turn it off. If you're engaged in secular entertainment, turn it off. I'm talking about listening to secular music on the radio, most of which is produced by the satanic elite in Hollywood, and they bring witches in, and they do back-masked uh, incantations. I mean, it's all evil. Turn it off. If you're smoking, quit. If you're sitting, stop, repent, and stop. Um, get into shape. Start getting better exercise. Um, do you eat processed food? Change that. Start eating mostly organic, um, healthy, natural food. Get your immune system as healthy as you can. Get yourself as healthy as you can physically, mentally, and spiritually. Because, And then, you know, get your heart right. Fasting and pray as much as you can. You know, and, and pray for other people. Seems that we're our prayers are more powerful when we're standing in the gap for each other. And get ready, guys, because you know what? Everything is in place. My friend, um, my friend Jeff said to me, just see if I've got his comment here. He said, um, "We're in, we are clearly in the last phase of the Great Terror, which will precede the actual war." And he said, "This is I've never seen a time where things are most." more aligned than ever for the coming of the war next year. And he said it's even in the news. You know, U.S. military leaders are talking about Russia and China are preparing for war against America. You know, ten years ago, Jeff and I would have told you that that was coming. And they dismiss us. Now it's in the mainstream news. They're talking about the effect of a nuclear bomb going off in L.A. on NBC News. Okay? We are not the crazies anymore. The crazy has come to reality, and it is indeed coming. And, you know, in all honesty, I view next year as a certainty, okay? Now, you could choose to view me as a nutcase, but I don't think you'd be still listening to the program. And, you know, and perhaps I could be wrong. I'm not trying to be a prophet. I don't want to be a prophet. I never claimed to be a prophet. I don't think I'm a prophet. I'm just a scribe. I heard some things from the Lord. Okay, that doesn't make me a prophet. It makes me somebody who heard some things from the Lord. And I have a, I have a deep understanding of the Bible because I've studied it my entire life. And I know the Lord. I really know him. He's beautiful. He's awesome. And all of us should have done a whole lot better in living lives of worship and service unto him. But you know what? It's not over, and our testimony can change dramatically. And this is the year to change it, my friends. This is the year of no compromise. This is the year of putting your hand to the plow and never looking back again. This is the year to cut out of your life everything that would hold you back. And the rule I use, when in doubt, throw it out. If you don't know that it's, that it's of the Lord and that, you know, whether it's a relationship or whether it's some activity, you know, and don't rationalize. You know, I've got Christian friends that are still smokers, you know. Hey, I was a smoker, and I was a drug addict like Frank, too, you know, at this point many, many years ago. But the Lord pulled me out of the gutter, and, in, and I didn't want to quit my cigarettes either for a while. It was hard to quit, but you know what? Pray about it. Fast and pray. Fasting is the easiest way to quit smoking because you just burn everything out at the same shop. But, you know, we need to cleanse our bodies. 
We need to purify our temple. The Lord didn't call us to compromise in the flesh. He called us to deny ourselves and to pick up our cross and to be willing to lose our life for his sake. And, you know, the Lord, I mean, I know, I know him a little bit, you know. I've had some conversations with him. He is, man, we got the best God ever. The Lord is precious, you guys. He's so awesome. And, you know, we've only experienced a fraction of his glory. We've only been able to, to understand and see into a small part of his heart and of, of how beautiful and how wonderful and how absolutely awesome our God is. And we will be shouting his praises for eternity. But you know what? What we do in the next 12 months is going to matter for eternity. So, you know, a lot of us, I don't know, some of you guys might be really right on Christians, you know, and God bless you. And I kind of feel like, you know, I didn't do that good a job, you know. I mean, I, you know, you know what I'm talking about? You just wish you could have done so much better. And you look back and you're like, oh, man, I did so many dumb things in the past. And don't you wish you would have just run that race perfect for God? And so many, I mean, some people might have run a, a really good race. I don't think I did. And I want to finish well for the Lord. I really do. And not, you know, so I can get some really great reward. I'm not deserving of any rewards. I'll tell you who deserves the reward in my book. I'm giving them all to Jesus. Because I couldn't do anything Amen. without his help, and I know neither can you. But you know what? If we're willing to lose ourselves, you know, and for most of us, what are you giving up, really? You know, what? Smoking a cigarette? You know, you rather trade the glory of God so you can keep that Marlboro Light? You crazy? What, you want to keep watching the stupid poor chicks on TV or whatever that show is? What What exactly mm. is, is God calling you to sacrifice, to move the defiled mm. things out of your life so that God can clean you up, so that you can become a living stone through which he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit without measure? And you're kind of mm. weighing, you know, what, should I keep Satan's deceptions? Or should I just go all in with the Lord? I don't know. Let me think about it. Let me use my knowledge of good and evil and see if I can figure this one out. Eat it for a while. And you know what you know what will happen? You'll be debating it years from now, if you're still here. Mm-hmm. Now, we need to go all in with the Lord, you guys. And there can be no, you can't give any ground to the enemy. How to develop the keenest discernment. So that the least little trap or trick from the enemy, your spiritual discernment is alerted, you stop. You cannot play with the deceptions of the enemy. You cannot put your toe. There's a river of deception that is going to war. It's going to be like a tsunami across the earth before the final judgment comes. And you can't put your toe in that water or it'll sweep you away. That's why you've got to turn off your TV. We've got to redeem the time. The time any of us have spent in front of television... Whatever that amount is, you, you know, add it up for yourself. How many hours a day or how many hours a week have you spent in, in front of the television for the last whatever time period? Turn off your TV and take that time mm. and spend it in your prayer closet. Amen. Amen. And it will change your life. And it will allow God to bring his deliverance and save your children. Okay? Mm. Really. We're talking about our families here, friends. Amen. Lot was able to take people with him. Noah took people with him. If we get this together, we're going to be taking people with us. The 144,000 are going to take people with them. We get, mm. to do, we get to help the Lord do his job, which is to save his people. And to the extent Amen. we cooperate with the Lord, we can become more and more a vessel that he can use to bring his salvation and bring his healing. Wouldn't you like to be sanctified enough that when you pray for the sick, they just get healed? Amen. You know, where you can bring the life and the love of Jesus to a world that is dying? Believe me, there's a lot of hurt people out there. You know, I went through a lot of pain in the last two weeks, and I was crying out to the Lord. Man, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, there are many people suffering right now, and there are many who are suffering even greater than you. And I thought, oh, Lord, I don't know how they're doing it. 
Because I was at, you know, I, it was beyond what I could even cope with. You know, my little prayer team, man, they, these guys, I sent out my prayer request, and within about an hour, my prayer army got geared up, and, and the hardcore ones who, who are true intercessors, they went and stood in the gap for their friend Benjamin, and I, it Amen. started lifting off of me. The pain started to come out of my body. I'm telling you, I needed that help. And, and there are people in your life, God's going to bring them, maybe that's your children, maybe it's your spouse, it's your family, it's your neighbors, it's, it's your friends at church, I don't know. It's people that God will bring across your path. There are people that are going to need you to be there. Uh-huh. And you've got to show up. You've got to do it. But you're going to look mm-hmm. back. The scripture says, the wise people, wise is the man who saves other souls. You're going to be really, really glad you showed up when you find out it produced the deliverance of your little children. Mm. That God was able to deliver your family because he could get through to you because you were finally sanctified in your mind. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Benjamin, for that. That's powerful. Folks, um, as we close, this is Hanukkah. Tonight's the third night of Hanukkah. And Hanukkah paints this beautiful picture of the Lord, you know, the lamp that was lit and and the oil which illuminates the word of God, you know, the, the lampstand. He says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And when we're filled with the spirit, the lamp, the, the word becomes alive and it begins to guide us. But, you know, Hanukkah also paints a picture back to us. The root of it, Shanak, which is also the root in the word of Enoch. But if we, too, dedicate our lives like Enoch did and walk with the Lord, we, too, will walk with him and live with him just like Enoch one day forever. That's a beautiful picture. Folks, this is the time God has given all the tools you need, and the only thing you need is him and he's just waiting for you. So with that, I would like to say to everybody, thank you for being here with us tonight on the Remnant Call, and God bless. Keep up the faith, and from Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin on the Remnant Call, good night and shalom. Oh,